I mean, who wouldn't want to break, you know, a home run record and set any subway history in your own state? Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Jacquez. The power is back on, so I'm back on the uh, podcast circuit here. Uh, I'll turn it over to my co-host, uh, co-host Corbin, for the evening uh, to let us in on uh, where Tyler is, I guess, this week. I mean, who knows where Tyler is officially? We've heard multiple rumors out and about. Apparently, he is at a, a rodeo, I think. Isn't it a little cold to be at a rodeo or a cow show or one of the following? But that's where he's at. So uh, the dynamic duo is is back in session without him. Yeah, I think he joined uh, FFA. So he's having a great time out there uh, this evening. But the show goes on and we've got 4-H, some... 4-H or FFA? 4-H, he, it, might be, it might be one and the same. Uh, but uh, we've got tons to talk about still. Um, after a, a really big weekend for Sooner Sports, really, across the board, Saturday was pretty incredible. We saw men's, women's basketball, softball, baseball all kind of come down to the wire there. Uh, and honestly, softball made me the most nervous, probably because mm-hmm. the expectations are so high there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, softball and all the great success that happened across the sports uh, here in a moment. And then we'll wrap up the evening with a little bit of a, a fun buy and sell segment across the board for a lot of different sports. But um, the the meat of the podcast here this week is is still going to revolve around football, and so um, we want to take a look at an article that came out from Heartland College Sports uh, recently that basically ranked the Big Twelve coaches coming into the season, and so um, it's kind of an interesting discussion point because you've got Brent Venables, who has never been a head coach, um, is coming back to OU. A ton is changing at OU, and people are super excited, but. How do you rank him exactly? Uh, Heartland College Sports puts uh, Venable second right behind Mike Gundy. I guess my initial question for you is, do you agree or disagree? or I mean, how do you even justify or, or decide where to rank him? I think it speaks more to like the lack of um, elite coaches in this conference that Venables is ranked number two in this poll. And in comparison to maybe the downfall that he's never coached before. I mean, if you look at just accolades, there's nobody on this list that even comes close to what he's done but he's done it as a coordinator, not as a head coach. So I think it's valid to have Mike Gundy in front of him. I think you can make an argument that Brent should be one, right? Look what all he's done is just, you know, uh, as, as a coordinator throughout the years. But if you're ranking on a head coach level, I think it'd be impossible to put him on number one spot unless you were just looking for clicks, which putting him on number two is going to get you plenty of clicks anyway. So, um, you know, I think the, the list is pretty interesting. I would have a couple of slight changes, I think. Um, but yeah, I think it's valid to have him at two. I, I, I couldn't make an argument for a Matt Campbell, a Dave Aranda, Chris Kleiman, like who all's done, who all's done anything that would, would put them above him at this point in time. Yeah. We asked for some feedback on Twitter earlier today. We got some good ones. Um, I'll read off a few of these, but Andre Ritchie, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he basically was pointing out all the different accomplishments of Brent Venable's career and uh, all the national championship game appearances, so on and so forth. Um, it, it, one of the most elite defensive coordinators in the last 20 years, easily, uh, Brent Venable's resume there. And I agree with that, I, I, but I also do wonder how much that translates. Um, you sure. know, right now, Venables hasn't lost a game. Everything's, you know, sunshine and roses at this point. Uh, but we've seen other guys that, we're kind of in that same scenario. Look at like a Will Muschamp, for example, a great defensive coordinator, a not so great head coach. Now, 
I don't think that Venables is Will Muschamp. There seems to be a lot of differences there, but we have seen that scenario play out before. Yeah, it'll be interesting just kind of see how this list continues to evolve. But I'm really curious as we kind of take a deeper dive into this, Adam, who do you have on this list that maybe is a bit overrated, maybe ranked too high, and maybe one or two that are underrated? And there's a couple of fresh names on this list, so it's kind of hard to put them in a, an appropriate spot. But kind of curious if you'd switch anything up on it. Yeah, and so for people that are listening, I'll link this article in our show notes so you can uh, check it out and read along uh, with us as we go through this and, and kind of, you know, uh, but basically, I guess what I'm looking at here. I don't know that I can necessarily say anyone is overranked. Um, maybe Matt Campbell at three. I like what he's done. I mean, he's, he's yeah. one of the longest tenured Iowa State coaches in recent memory, and um, he's made them a consistent bowl team, which is a huge success at Iowa State. This year, I think, will be pretty telling because of all the talent that he lost, um, coming off of kind of a disappointing year with what he had there. Um, so I don't know that I, I'm super – um, high on, on, I guess, someone that's that's overrated. If I was looking at maybe some underrated, there's some good candidates on here. It has uh, Joey McGuire at seventh. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a guy that I'd say there's a ton of similarities to what he's doing at Texas Tech as the energy and excitement that Brent Venables is bringing to Oklahoma right now. Doesn't have nearly as many resources at Tech, but dude is killing it on recruiting. He's going to be a force over there. We'll see if he can actually coach in a game, but I think you have to like what he's doing in Lubbock. Yeah, you know, with Matt Campbell, we, all of us on the pod have expressed how big of fans we are. The job he's done up in Ames is is pretty incredible. But then I think it was kind of a a step back for me realizing that he was 42 and 33. And so you can't just take the good with what he's done the past few years. And his best year on paper, what should have been his best year, was very similar to OU in, in respect to last year just being an overall big disappointment as far as the play on the field and the overall record. So I think if I were to change anything, I would probably flip Matt Candle, Campbell and Dave Aranda into the three and four position. I like Dave Aranda. I think he's done more with less so far early in his, uh, in his career down there in Baylor. And obviously, you know, he's got a better background, I think, as far as um, coaching teams of prominence uh, before arriving in Waco. So that's how I'd have it flipped. Um, but I thought, you know, one question we, we posed as well was who could potentially be on the hot seat of this list outside of Neil Brown. I don't think there's anybody else, right? Sark, Sark. I mean, maybe, <laughs> I mean, I think if you coach at Texas, you're probably on the hot seat pretty 24/7. much all the time. Yep. Yeah. Well, you bring up uh, an interesting one there with Dave Aranda, and that brings up uh, another tweet that we got from Chris Parrish. He put uh, Dave Aranda number one, he put Brent Venables number two, and then Gundy at three. I I can see the argument if you really like Aranda, putting him first. I, I, I can understand that. Do you think that you can justify putting Gundy below Brent Venables at this point? I mean, you can certainly justify it. Um, Gundy's never won a Big 12 championship. And outside 2000, 2011, he did. Oh, okay. New age Big 12 championship actually like playing head to head. Yes. So he's won one yep. Big 12 championship a decade ago. Um, he's never even played for a conference title since the conference realigned. And we have a, a Big 12 championship game now at ATT. I mean, he's really good in the regular season. I, I think you could probably get there. I can see the argument for Mike Gundy not being number one. Um, his best wins are what Stanford and then this year against Notre Notre Dame, both in the uh, the Fiesta Bowl. 
Yeah, and really any win against OU. I, I think with Gundy, the, the issue many. there is he's, <laughs> he's, he's been around so long at Oklahoma State, which is a great testament to how good of a coach he is. But he doesn't really break through very much. Like mm-hmm. his breakthrough year is like last year. It's finishing runner-up in the Big 12. Or maybe it's 2011 winning the Big 12 and beating Stanford. It's, it's just not – it doesn't you know move the scale that much on the national perspective all that crazily. And I think people want to see him at least make a playoff. Um, yeah. And he was really close in 2011 in playing for a national championship. But he's just kind of been – roughly the same for so long. So I think there's some people that are a little stale on him um, because it's, it's just been a while, but yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I for, completely forgot they played Baylor in the big 12 championship. Go, go show you second place. Nobody remembers you. Um, so <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's been there once and probably should have won the game. Didn't, you know, lost by a couple inches, but uh, I mean, I can see the argument for Gundy being anywhere, anywhere between one and one and three, but I don't think I could put him any lower than that. Yeah. Two more uh, responses here on Twitter. Uh, one from uh, G. Mula, who basically says that um, he's pretty much unproven right now and it would rank Venable somewhere between five and six. I mean, how bad of a season would it have to be to for Venables to finish there after the year is over? I think they'd probably have to go, what, 500 maybe? Yeah. To be at that, that level. But, I mean, it's tough, right, because this is uh, the best head coaches. And, again – Venables hasn't been head coach. And so do you count the assistant coach accolades or do you not? I think that's up to the interpretation and why it's a pretty, you know, unique article to discuss. Yeah. Last um, and definitely least important response we got on Twitter was from some <laughs> random name, Tyler Burton seven. And uh, he says on here, basically just kind of recapping all that Venables has done, you know, his accolades here. But I think the, the last sentence of his tweet um, here kind of sums it up as far as if Brent Venables wins the big 12, in Tyler's mind, um, that launches Venables to the number one spot without question. I I think I would agree with that, but I also in some ways wonder that, you know, hey, OU is basically set up to be successful, so don't majorly screw it up, and you're probably playing in the Big 12 championship game. So I don't want to discredit Venables if we get there, but I, I don't know, am I, am I weird in thinking that maybe that doesn't prove it that much? I need to see, you know, more, you know, playoff – uh, uh, birth or multiple years of winning a conference first. No, I think you win one conference. And I think he's, he's the best head coach um, in the big 12. And cause I think at that point now you've, you've got one successful year, which I think is the only thing he's really missing um, in order to be number one ranked on this list is a successful year as a head coach. So um, I mean, if you do that, then you, you tie, you tie Gundy with um, big 12 championships you're above Matt Campbell with Big 12 championships, and you tie Dave Aranda with Big 12 championships. It's, it would be hard to not put him up at that number one spot if he, if he does go through and end up winning a Big 12 title this year. Yeah. I will say this whole exercise of ranking Venables amongst uh, Big 12 head coaches, especially he hasn't even coached a game as a head coach. It really reminds me of trying to rank Spencer Radler as a quarterback going into the 2020 season. Now, hopefully that ends up a little bit better, but I think Radler was still probably like second team, all big 12 or honorable mention. Like he had a great 2020 um, sure. when you look at the the collective there. So it, it feels similar though. Like, you know, you have a star in the wings, but you just haven't seen it yet. So you don't have much proof other than, you know, 
um, what he did as a coordinator. So I'm sure we'll revisit that at the end of the year and take a, a deeper look. And we'll revisit uh, some more football topics here a little bit later in the podcast. But let's go ahead and start highlighting some other sports here. Softball had a pretty big weekend. Yeah, big weekend. And a weekend that had to sweat out a little bit on a couple uh, couple notes. First few games go down easy, including a run rule over number eight, Arizona. It felt like same song, different verse uh, as far as different weekend. Here we go again. And then all of a sudden you go to play number 17, Tennessee. Uh, you get up early for nothing. Tennessee comes back, takes the lead, um, actually is ahead of OU multiple times starting in the seventh inning, moving on. But every time Tennessee answered, OU had a response, which I think is very telling. And it's great to see that this team was tested like this very early in the year. That game ends with the Jada Coleman walk-off home run in the bottom of the tent to finally seal the deal. Had to expect kind of a hangover game against Utah. Um, you know, I will say I didn't know much about Utah looking over their record. All of their losses, and I think they have five besides one are all to ranked teams. Um, and so not a bad opponent to kind of follow up, but end up squeaking out a win there. Uh, two to one. Overall, you couldn't be happier. You stay undefeated, no blemishes, but your team was tested, um, which I think is important in the in this time of year. Moving forward, uh, they need some rest. Uh, they've been on the road quite a bit, traveling quite a bit. So they are off until March 10th when uh, when Aloe and company, uh, when she heads back home to Hawaii to play the um, Rainbow Classic. They'll play an out-of-conference game against Baylor, uh, and then California, and then Hawaii twice. So uh, some exciting things coming up. I wouldn't expect the Sooners to struggle at all in that tournament. Uh, it should be pretty exciting to see Aloe back on her home turf. Yeah, I think we do get a we get a home game. I don't know if you mentioned that against Minnesota on March seventh before okay. they go out to Hawaii. So uh, just a, a kind of a random one off game home opener on a Monday at five o'clock. Yep, kind of a strange time. I'm sure it'll still be packed out at Marina Hines. Um, certainly an opportunity, and that'd be kind of cool for her to break the record uh, here at home if it isn't uh, at her home in Hawaii. Uh, now there are some interesting things going on with her. We were we've been kind of watching that home run record high alert every time she steps up to the plate over the last uh, several games here, and she's starting to get walked like crazy. It's mm-hmm. it's wild. Um, you know I haven't really seen that happen very much. If if ever in softball, it's a rare occasion to walk somebody like they're they're doing that. And uh, I think Gasso kind of uh, she came on Sunday and said, Hey, let's put all at the, at the top of the lineup there. And Hey, if you want to give us a free runner every time on first to, you know, lead off True. our lineup, fine, do it. Um, I wonder, I guess how that might affect the mentality and the psyche of walking up to the plate for Aloe. And I think she, there's obviously going to be some pressing probably to get that record and to, to blast one out of the park every time she's there. But now you're thinking, okay, are they going to walk me? Am I really going to have a chance? You know, what's, what's going on there? Yeah, it'll be interesting because, I mean, she's a about as veteran of a player as you can get uh, in, in collegiate athletics. So you should feel confident that she can be at the plate in the right mindset. My gut says probably as of now, she's not overly concerned about the home run record and breaking it in the next game. I think I think if it waits till she gets back home, I, I then I start to wonder if, if she'll feel pressed. Um because who wouldn't want to do that? I mean, who wouldn't want to break, uh, you know, a home run record and set any civil history in your own state, and especially a state like Hawaii, which isn't, you know, can't just pop over and visit every now and then. So I, th- I wonder if that would be, you know, something to keep an eye on is if they go through this Minnesota game, uh, she continues to be walked, she arrives in Hawaii. I wonder if then you'll get some pressure. But my gut says 
if if they get through Minnesota, if Baylor and Cal Walker, I don't think Hawaii will go two games in a row by walking her every single time. I think for that university to have something like that, one of their own, if you will, to break a record, I think they would want it done there. And I think they'd pitch to her. Now, obviously up to her to still hit it, but that's kind of how I would envision. I could be, it could be way wrong on this, but to me, that's something bigger than the game. And if you're hosting in this kind of special whirlwind of events, I think Hawaii pitches to her and I think she probably gets it then. Yeah. I think it is good to see just overall from a team perspective, some challenging teams here early in the season. Last year, they didn't really experience too much competition. I think actually Liberty was uh, the closest game they had, which was a one run uh, win in Oklahoma city. Uh, And then it took till April 20th to face off uh, against Georgia, who might've even been the, uh, the first top 25 team they played. So it was, yeah, it was well in the season At, at this point we're, what three weekends in, I guess you've already played and beaten UCLA, Arizona, Tennessee, Utah, all top 25 teams. Um, Minnesota, I think is um, the the first uh, team receiving votes right now in that Mm -hmm. poll. So um, you've got some good competition under your belt already, uh, especially looking forward to now Texas has dropped out of the top 25. Baylor's not what they used to be, you know, a couple of years ago. So you did get some really good competition in the off season and face off against some of those teams that you'll probably see again uh, once we get to tournament play. So I think that's, that's really good and a little bit okay. different than normal. Uh, and can, Kentucky on the schedule too, who yeah. last, last ranking I saw, uh, let's see, I got it written down here somewhere. Um, I think they were number, number 12, 12. Yeah. Yeah. 13 and one on the season so far, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. When you look at how disappointing of a starts Oklahoma state and Texas have gotten to, you need kind of some of these marquee games and then Wichita state also receiving votes. And I know they'll play, um, uh, play them this year as well. So I think Patty did an amazing job of kind of scheduling this game, this, uh, you know, non, uh, conference schedule out and it'll pay dividends down the stretch. That, that Tennessee game is, is impressive because, um, multiple times that that game probably should have been over uh, and this team battled back. So I think that'll be one to kind of hang your hat on as you move forward uh, with gaining confidence. This team can still win some some gritty games down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. From uh, one women's sport and softball to another in women's basketball. Uh, but before we jump into that, I uh, do want to make a brief note here. Um, if you aren't already following us on Twitter, check us out at the Mainline Pod. We'd love to do more types of, uh, you know, discussion and, and reading tweets here on the podcast, getting your guys' opinions. So um, give us a follow there and, and, and uh, give us some opinions um, for our next pod, as well as um, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe uh, on your podcast app. That would be greatly appreciated. In fact, I'll put a link into our show notes as well uh, for reviewing the pod. That way it'll pop open the app for you. All you have to do is just click five stars, hopefully. <laughs> so we greatly appreciate that. Uh, but uh Going into women's basketball here, um, it's been, um, I guess they kind of had a l- couple of games where they slipped up uh, coming down towards the stretch, but I've ride the ship two wins in a row, had a big win uh, this weekend over K-State with a buzzer beer from uh, Taylor Robertson. So um, this team, you know, by far exceeding expectations at this point, they're um, projected to be a three seed in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, the, the rankings just came out uh, last night, Monday night for the NCAA tournament. They were number 16, which would put them at a four seed. So some, some really, um, you know, uh, high accomplishments here that I think everyone's super proud about, but I also think at the same time, like, that's great. This, this season's already, 
you know, a, a winning season, it's, it's, gets the thumbs up from me, but I still want, I still want to see more. I want them to be able to push and, and establish more and, and say, Hey, we're here to stay. Yeah. It'll be interesting to kind of see how, how this team now handles getting the ship back in the right direction. I mentioned Tyler last week. I thought, I thought the lo- losses weren't the worst thing in the world, right? Like get a few under your belt, figure out how to handle it and then start playing right these last few games down the stretch. But I mean, if you look forward kind of and kind of where they're at, they they are on the road against Oklahoma State on um, uh, tomorrow night, excuse me, and then host Kansas, who is a pretty good basketball team on the women's side as well. But you could, if, you know, cards fall how they may, it looks like they can get up to the two seed potentially, but they could also fall all the way down to the four or five seed, kind of depending on how the, the chips lay. So that's a pretty big difference as far as who you play in the Big 12 tournament. But, um you know, hopefully you can go into the, the tournament, win a game, maybe two, um, and then head into the NCAA tournament on a, a pretty good, you know, uh, momentum swing there, at least in comparison to what it was a week ago. Yeah, the two teams that are currently ranked ahead of them are Baylor, who OU swept, <laughs> and then Texas, who uh, they split with. Um, so I've got Iowa State at two. On the oh, side. you do? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I guess um, they're tied so with OU... Texas based on what I can see. Yeah, I guess we did get swept by Iowa State. So I guess that one's one where maybe you'd look for some redemption. But otherwise, if it's Texas or Baylor that you're facing up in the uh, conference tournament, I think you you feel good about that. And you're you're getting away from, um, I, I believe the tournament for women's is also in Kansas City this year. In the past, right. it's been in Oklahoma City or it's been in Dallas. 2020 um, so 20, was the first year they had them both in Kansas City. Yeah. So it's a little bit different with women's basketball. You're not dealing with, um, you know, KU fans just flooding that uh, sprint or I guess the T-Mobile center. Now Uh, you may have some Iowa state fans there, but it's women's basketball. So it's a little bit different, but one thing that you're definitely not getting is you're not getting those Baylor fans nearly as many of them. And they are probably the strongest fan base as far as women's basketball goes. So I like that putting a little further away from them. You're not going to have to contend with that, even though OU went down to Waco and won this year. So um, I would love to see a great run there and hopefully improve the seeding for um, the NCAA tournament there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about expectations here uh, for the postseason for women's basketball. Uh, once we get into uh, our, our last segment, which will be about buying and selling. So I think we've got a good one there, but um, flipping over to the men's side, we just saw a, uh, a W here as we uh, started recording the podcast uh, beating up on West Virginia. Yeah. Nice to see this team pull away from a team late. Um, you know, it's something we, we haven't seen much of on the year. Granted, West Virginia is the, the last ranked team in the Big 12 standings, but you take them however you can get them. A 72-59 victory um, following up a strange, ugly, uh, wild game uh, against Oklahoma State over the weekend. Um, but, you know, talk about blown leads down the stretch. They were up, I think, by 14 uh, late in the second half. Blew it, went to overtime. Sooners rally to win that one as well. So now this team is 16 and 14 on the year. Uh, won two in a row. Go at K-State uh, to end the year this weekend. Um, currently tied for K-State, uh, tied with K-State, excuse me, for eighth in the Big 12 Conference. I believe the highest possible seed for OU at this point is seventh, and they need Oklahoma State to lose twice in order to, uh, to hit that ranking. Oklahoma State does have the tiebreaker since they have a victory over Baylor. Um, and then it, I think it it's all going to come down to what takes place in the Big 12 tournament for me. Um, I don't think a win over K-State puts this team back on the bubble. I don't even know if a win on a Thursday, uh, or excuse me, a Wednesday in Kansas City is going to put this team back on the bubble. 
it may have to be an upset in kind of the second round of the Big 12 tournament to really do it. Out of my crazy there, do you think if they win against uh, K-State and they win their opening round game against a bottom seed in the Big 12, do you think that does it? Because to me, it doesn't. No, definitely not. I This team, I, I think if you're going to do it under 20 wins, which is most likely, um, now teams do make it under 20 wins in the NCAA sure. tournament, but I think you have to have a pretty big win here in the tournament. Uh, the good news is you're probably playing Baylor or Kansas in the second round there. Yeah. So you'll have that opportunity right off the bat, but that's a tall, tall task to uh, task of that team. I think just looking at the standings today, getting swept by TCU, that one's the one that I think stings the most to me Yeah, uh, simply because that's a team that you, you should have been able to beat um, potentially even both times. I mean, um, talent wise, they're not, you know, a Texas tech or a Kansas or anything like that. Um, just splitting that series would have put you in, in such better seating um, mm-hmm. going into the tournament to point maybe even to where that's considered a little bit of a quality win. And you, you're not having to say, Hey, we got to beat a top 10 top five team in the country just to get into the tournament. Yep. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's been weird. Um, you know, Saturday's game tonight's game. It, it's a rough watch. It's college basketball and it's, it's uh, it's OU, so um, there's just not a lot of flash and, and pizzazz. It's it's a real grind to watch uh, this team. So I don't have a ton of faith at this point that they're going to be able to pull through. I I don't even know if they'll be able to beat K State on Saturday. Um, yeah. They're a tough team for sure. Yeah, I think you know Joe Lunardi right now has got six Big Twelve teams in, so that's kind of what I'm basing my. You kind of need to win two in uh, in Kansas City to make it. Um, hell, even then, may, may, may still be on the outside looking in. So it'll be really interesting. I know this is something Tyler and I talked about last week, Adam, but curious to your thoughts. Questioning Porter Moser at all at this point? Or is it just kind of, hey, this was a, a makeshift puzzle piece team and we still have a chance at the tournament? It's obviously been a little bit disappointing, at least in comparison to how this year started. Any doubts kind of moving forward with, with Porter? This feels a lot like Lon Kruger's teams ever since the Trey Young year, where everything's just kind of you know, patched together. Guys from random spots, you know, like uh, like Maine or Eastern Washington or Northwestern transfers, like random guys. Um, I know I'm talking about guys from past years as well mixed sure. in there. But, um, yeah, it just feels like so many new guys. And then you put in new culture, new scheme. I just think that's too it's, – it's proven that it's too much for this team to overcome. Now – Next year, you're probably still going to have some new guys flown in there. We had senior night this evening. Uh, Mo Gibson was standing out there. It's kind of unclear whether he would would come back or not. If I were him, I'd go find a nice team in Italy and have some pizza and some pasta and <laughs> make some money over there. Yeah. Um, and I could see other guys like maybe Jalen Hills kind of in the same boat saying, hey, I might as well just transfer for my final year ago. Um, be a piece on a team that's going to make the tournament for sure. Maybe make a run, kind of like Brady Manick did. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see some some fresh blood in here a little bit, I guess, just to see what else there is. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't blame Porter Moser necessarily. He, it's he's got to set his culture, his identity, his scheme um, all across the board. There. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. Now, if we see this again next year. I think the tide starts to turn a little bit and the questions are, are valid, but I think you at least got to give him this first year to kind of set his foundation. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, big thing over, over the summer has got to be, you got to go find a score. 
I'm not sure if there are many guys on this team that you can develop into high quality scores. So I think you got to go find some, and that's going to be a challenge in itself. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to bag on the kid, but Tanner Groves has been, in my opinion, a little bit disappointing. He did finish tonight with 17 and 10. He played well he down did, the stretch. He did, yeah. He had only two points in the first half, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. He had several games earlier this year where he finished with like six points, four points. Like yep. if you're going to be the, the alpha on the team and score the most points, you you need to be at minimum like 14 a game. That yep. needs to be a bad game for you. And um yeah, we just we haven't had that go-to guy. It's been by committee kind of here and there. And, and then you have games where nobody does it, like Texas Tech a few weeks ago where I think Jalen Hill was the leading scorer with like nine points or something uh, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm there, there needs to be some work here on men's basketball still. Um, but I still, still trust Porter. As long as the Twitter account keeps tweeting while the game's going on, good things are happening. Uh, so <laughs> the second you start going like, five, 10, 15 minutes with like no OU basketball tweets, just don't even bother checking the score. So that's, that's been my rule of thumb on the year. There you go. So, well, that will bring us to the sport that everyone uh, is listening to this podcast for. You've all been waiting for it's baseball season and uh, things are still going pretty well. Um, on the weekend, OU went uh, uh, two and one uh, against Northwestern state, a pretty solid uh, mid-major type of program, but still one that you would have liked to go three and oh. And I think the biggest storyline coming away from this weekend in the games that were moved from Norman to Globe Life Park uh, was just the pitching across the board. Even on Friday, um, Jake Bennett, uh, David Sandlin on Saturday, and then Chaz Martinez, who is Big 12 Pitcher of the Week with 14 strikeouts on Sunday. Um, Just the starting pitching was incredible uh, across the board. Uh, So um, you love to see that. Um, I want to see it continue again and again and again. Uh, We'll see what happens there. But two weeks into the season, I think you can say there's some room for for optimism here around baseball. What's what's your gut feel, Adam? Should we should we be more optimistic than we have, you know, leading into the season? Because I've I've seen this quite a few times over years past, where early success fades dramatically down the stretch. Yeah, um, and I've been guilty of this as the person that you know was handling the baseball ticket sales for several years when I worked at OU. Um, I felt like the boy who cried wolf sometimes just getting hyped about the team um, just to get into conference play. And then, you know, everything falls apart there. So I do want to see more consistency there. I think Friday was a little bit disappointing. You had such a great outing from your starter and Jake Bennett and then the bullpen came in and they just couldn't do anything. The the hitting was uh, inconsistent. You left so many guys on base. Um, So I I need to see more from the hitting um, consistency there. And if I can see this pitching, you know, on the weekend rotation to be really solid, I'll feel really good about it. Um, there is, I mean, just looking at the the outlook of the schedule here, you've got the the Shriners uh, Classic down uh, in Houston this weekend. You've got some really good opportunities. LSU, uh, UCLA, Tennessee. UCLA is not that great, but uh, LSU and Tennessee uh, could both be top 25 wins for you. If you can go two and three down there this weekend or even three and oh, that would be uh, absolutely incredible uh, to point you in the right direction. And then Right after that, you're playing, I think, 15 of the next 18 games at home, something mm-hmm. crazy like that, where you can really build up that, um, you know, that win column uh, on the record there and, and a ton of momentum to then go into Big 12 play and have to face off against some really tough teams like Texas, Texas Tech, OSU, uh, TCU, all ranked in the top 25. So you've got some big, big foes and big giants ahead of you, but um, start now, you know, get off to a great start and then. Um, you know, hopefully keep the, the, the momentum rolling from there. Well, we'll keep the optimism alive, but let's shift over to 
a team who we don't expect typically to have two losses throughout a regular season, and that is uh, Women's Gym. A loss last Friday night at Florida um, now puts them with two losses on the year. As, as you found, Adam, first time since 2014, this team has had two regular season losses, which I think shows how impressive uh, of a program this has become, but also may show is this kind of a step back, uh, you know, and kind of where this program is headed. Granted, the two losses have come to number three, Florida, and number four, Utah. So it's not like they're just losing uh, to, you know, everyday Joes out there. These are big time matchups. But now all eyes shift to a massive matchup this week with number one, Michigan. I mean, if you're losing to number three and four, I'm not sure I have a whole lot of confidence that you're going to beat number one. But if this team is going to make a run in the postseason like we are grown accustomed to, they need big wins like this to kind of get their um, attitude, I guess, back, back in the right direction, right? That they can compete with these high-end teams. So, Adam, surprising, right, that we're seeing multiple losses for this women's gym team, but it's almost like basketball. It, it doesn't matter really until you hit March, and this team's obviously going to be competing in the postseason. Yeah, and this, uh, I believe it's on Friday evening in the Lloyd Noble Center. Mm -hmm. uh, it's at home. So um, this is probably the, I guess, first time that you've been back for a really big matchup at home. Maybe even the, probably obviously the biggest one, Michigan's number one. So um, a big opportunity to, to match up there. I'm not a gymnastics expert, so I'm not going to be able to tell you that, yeah, it's the beam that's holding us back or something like that. But um, yeah, it is certainly interesting to just watch that storyline unfold because this is a team... Uh, it'd be kind of like if softball suddenly, you know, went out in the regionals. Um, right. That's that's what losing two games or two matches rather is like for this women's gymnastics program. Such high standards there. So certainly you have a daunting task in front of you with Michigan uh, coming to Norman this weekend. But also if you can beat them, that can change the outlook uh, and get your mojo back so yep. much that now you can say, hey, we beat the number one team. Who's going to stop us on our way to another uh, national title? And especially if you're avenging uh, your loss in national cha uh, championship match last year, which was Michigan. So right. um, certainly a lot of opportunity ahead of them to really right that ship, even though two losses in one year is not like they're they're a sinking ship or anything like that. Yeah, and both losses have been on the road, right? So you control your destiny at home. This would be a, a monster win, uh, exactly what you were saying. So everything's out in front of this team. Like I said, doesn't matter until you start hitting that uh, that 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 regional, super regional, and obviously the uh, the super six. So who knows how this is all going to play out? My confidence is this is a super six team, but based on kind of the performance so far this year, I don't see them being a national champion. Um, but all it takes, nobody expected Michigan to be a national championship last year or champion last year. So all it takes is getting hot at the right time, performing your best at the right time, which this team is clearly capable of. Um, but Adam, to kind of round us out, we mentioned it uh, to start the pod, just a quick buy or sell segment. Uh, we you know, like to throw in different segments throughout the pod every now and then. Clearly, there's not a ton to talk about, uh, you know, as far as the football goes uh, here in Norman. But, uh, you know, let's try to switch it up, just throw some some hypothetical things. Let's start us off with football. How confident are you? You buying or selling football will win more than 10 wins, uh, 10 games, excuse me, next season. You know, I am pretty confident, so I will buy that one. Okay. I don't know necessarily that this is a playoff team. Um, obviously, my expectation is a national championship every year. I have very high standards for this team. Yes. I don't know if that's realistic every year, um, but I do feel strongly that this team should make the Big 12 championship game, and that's going to give you an extra opportunity to get you know more than 10 wins. Yep. I think more than likely we see something that's like 11-2, and 11-3 uh, type of year. 
um, and maybe just miss out on the playoffs. Although that this schedule is so favorable to the Sooners. True. Um, there's, there's some holes and some question marks, but it's a, it's a very nice schedule so far. So I feel pretty good. I'm buying that one. Yeah. At, at this day and point, uh, I'm going to sell it. I think 10 the number. I think that's where they fall. Um, I said, I still think they're a, a double digit win team, but I think that's probably where it stops. Uh, so I'm going to sell it as of now. I have full right to switch that answer. As we get closer to the season, I start buying the Kool-Aid more and more. Uh, but as of now, I'm going to stick with with 10 wins. So moving on to softball. And as you mentioned, we have you know Minnesota before this team heads to Hawaii. But are you buying or selling that Jocelyn Allo makes home run history on her home turf in Hawaii? I mean, that one's tough. I'm just, it's just a pure guess essentially yeah. at that point. Um, just by nature of there being multiple games in Hawaii, I guess I'll, I'll buy that one. The odds are, are more in my favor at that point. Yep. Um, but I am a little concerned um, just from the psyche perspective of now you're pressing. It's been a couple of games. It hasn't sure. happened yet. You've been walked, you know, multiple times. And now people are wondering, okay, well, when is it going to happen? We thought it would probably happen the next game after she tied the record and it didn't. So I wonder if that mental aspect comes into play. Yeah. I don't think Minnesota gives her anything to pitch. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in Hawaii. And going back to my statement before, I think Hawaii pitches to her. Um, I, I just think, like I said, some things are bigger to the game. So I'm buying it as well. The thing about Allo though, is how many pitches have we seen where it looks like she gets no contact on a ball and it just skyrockets <laughs> yeah. off the bat. So even yeah. if she's not in the mindset, if she gets any sort of decent contact in between those foul poles, it's gone. And so I think that that's one thing that as much as, you know, you can be in your head, maybe start to press. She's got so much power behind that bat. It may not matter as long as she gets decent contact. So I'm going to buy that as well. Moving on to women's basketball. Obviously we've touched on them already buying or selling that they make it to the elite eight in the women's NCAA tournament. So this is an interesting one because it was probably about two months ago that um, we did uh, our other segment, place your bets uh, yeah. where we said, would the men's team win a game in the tournament or would the women go to the elite eight? I was the only one on the podcast that picked the women to go to the elite eight over the men's uh, team winning a, a game. Yeah. How uh, things I, have changed. <laughs> I, I'm feeling pretty good about, about that pick right now. The concern I have, though, and, and the reason I'm actually going to sell on this one is simply because of where OU slated to seed in the uh, NCAA mm -hmm. tournament right now, which is a four seed, which means that they'd likely have to beat a number one seed in order to uh, in order to get to that elite eight. We know how the NCAA or the uh, committee usually sees things. It probably won't be Baylor in that one seed line that they'll have to face off against. It'll be someone totally brand new. So while OU is very capable of that, I know that's a you know a tough chore to to beat out that number one team. Now, if OU goes on a nice run here to finish the year, improves their seeding a little bit, gets into that two or three seed line potentially, I feel a lot better about that at that point. Um, sure. But where they are right now, I think it's going to be tough. I feel like almost if you got to that point, it'd be be better for OU not to play Baylor a third time, right? It's it's hard to beat a team twice. True. Probably like even harder to beat them, you know, a third time. Um, I go back to, you know, what was it? The uh, the one one time I believe that OU men's basketball has played for a national championship. They had to beat Kansas again to do it and they couldn't yeah. do it. I don't remember if that was time three or four that season, but uh, it, it was a lot. And the more you win against team, the harder and harder it gets. So it may be, you know, beneficial if, if they're not paired up with Baylor on that one line. But yeah, I'm going to sell this as well. Getting to the Elite Eight's hard and especially in the tournament, Things, things condense 
defense gets a little bit more tougher. Baskets are harder to come by. I can't say that I know that on the women's game as much as I know it on the men's game. Can't pretend I watch a whole lot of women's basketball in the postseason, but I would have to think it's similar as any sport. As you get into the postseason, things become tougher. The game becomes more physical. And this team is built to score, and they put up a lot of points. And when you get a high-scoring team and you put them into the postseason, I'm not saying it doesn't always work out because it's certainly the cases that it does, but it becomes a lot more harder for those teams to have success. I think that's probably what happens um, in this first year under a new head coach. I'm just elite hates really hard to do, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that um, just like you. Shifting over to baseball, is baseball a top five team in the Big Twelve? My initial, my initial reaction was a sell, sell, sell on this one. <laughs> and then I, I was like, well, who do I put in the fifth spot though? Mm-hmm. Um, and because basically you've got Texas, who's the number one team in the country by sure. far and away, the favorite to, to win the college world series, um, Oklahoma state, uh, top 10, uh, program right now, TCU and Texas tech right there in the top 25. So there's your solid four after that point. It's, I mean, it, K-State's having a really rough year with our old friend uh, Pete Hughes up in Manhattan. Uh, Iowa State doesn't have baseball. Uh, Baylor's not been off to the hottest start. West Virginia is usually you know, competitive, but um, man, it's just like, who, who do you put in the fifth spot? So yep. I guess for now, I'll, I'll do a very cautious uh, sheepish buy on that, but I... I definitely want to see a lot more from this team. I, I want to buy in. I want to, I want to get really excited about it and maybe they still fall in the fifth spot just because of no one else out there is going to claim it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I still need to see, I just need to see more two weeks in. I'm not ready to, to fully, you know, say it's because of OU, but I will still buy just based on who else is not taking that spot. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would probably sell it, but I have no idea. You know, I don't pay attention to baseball whatsoever. That's why you talk about baseball and I do not. <laughs> um, and so this is sheerly based on, I've fallen for this before when it comes to OU baseball is getting a little bit of excitement early on and it fades down this stretch. So I'm going to go with history. That's the only reason I'm going to sell it. I don't know anything different, but let's move on back to softball. Softball loses more than two games in the regular season. Are you buying or selling it? And just to kind of preview, we discussed it earlier, uh, number 12 right now, Kentucky's on the schedule. Granted, I, I and I think they're still number 11. Uh, new rankings haven't come out, but Oklahoma State's six and four. Texas, last I saw, was 23, but they're five and six. And then you kind of got some fringe teams such as Minnesota, um, such as uh, Wichita State. So the, the schedule's not overly difficult down the stretch. Does this team lose more than two games? You buying or selling that? So I, from the most recent poll I saw, and it may be a different one than what you were looking at, but Texas had actually dropped out of the rankings. They should. So, they, they, yeah. they will on this updated yeah. one. I think the one I saw was from last week. Yeah. So when I when I got this by sell, my initial thought was, okay, Baylor. Well, Baylor's not as good as they used to be no. even you know, three or four years ago. Um, Oklahoma State's right there. They're pretty solid. Texas has fallen off. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll be able to kind of regain and, and get back to sure. form. But really, you look and you go, hey, through the first couple of weeks of the season, OU's probably played, you know, as many good teams already as they'll yeah. face the entire rest of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some solid teams. I think Iowa State's getting some votes in there. Minnesota is on the cusp of, of being ranked. But there is, it's, it's with any women's sport, there's usually a couple of really good teams. And then that drop-off really happens, even yep. with teams ranked in the top 25. A pretty big gap there. So it took until April 20th to get the first loss last year. And then they finished, I guess, with two losses. So I'm actually going to sell on this one. I think OU finishes with one or fewer losses here. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the number's two, so I'm going to sell it as well. Um, I think two is the number. I think that's a cushion, and it's hard to see them losing more than two. Uh, so I'm selling it as well. Softball, I think I think it's that that two number. They find somewhere that slips up, um, but then then again, it's like to to who, and that's really the the hard question because if this team plays the way they're capable of, I mean they're run ruling teams that are ranked in the top ten right now. And so, you know, things typically iron out. Nobody's a, a fully formed team yet at this point. But everybody thought, myself included, I mentioned it to kind of start the softball season, that this may be the year where OU's going to be tested in the Big 12 conference. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas were both ranked in the top 10. Now neither are, and Texas isn't even ranked anymore. Oklahoma State's 6-4. and four. So what is the toughness of this league? You know Oklahoma State and Texas are both going to, put their best foot forward whenever OU comes to town or whether they've come visit Norman, but I just don't see it. So I'm selling it as well. I think it's one or two losses and that's it. Yeah. And another key aspect is uh, Texas is a road series. They don't look nearly as tough anymore. Yep. Oklahoma state in kind of a rare scenario is playing uh, all the games in Norman. So they switched it last year, I think was the first year. Yeah, okay. All the games You're were right. in Stillwater yeah. last year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I and prefer that was, it that way. Yeah. That was tough. I, I, yeah, I don't, wouldn't like to have them played in Oklahoma city. That feels kind of sterile because wasn't it like one one and one like they played I one think in so, Stillwater, yeah. one in norman and then one oklahoma city something like yeah. that yeah kind of how baseball does baseball does one at home one at tulsa and usually one in bricktown so yeah uh, baseball's a little different but softball you'd love to have the packed out stadiums because osu um, they bring the fans now um you know their yep. fan base is all about softball which is awesome so yeah i i i think it'll be fun to watch uh hopefully we're talking about longest winning streaks here in a few weeks i don't want to jinx it so uh knock on wood but um definitely uh appreciate everyone listening that's going to do it for us this evening uh we'll be back next week to talk a lot more uh sooner sports uh hopefully tyler will be able to join us that's if his chores are done on the ranch but you never know you can't promise anything you know with all the, the animals and things that he's got to tend to so um well that'll do it so again uh this is uh adam jacques and corbin Paulson signing off from the main line